It was a very hot day, walking along a dusty road, their faces glistening with perspiration. He was leading them. Peter and James and John and Matthew and Andrew and Bartholomew and James and Judas and all the rest walking along behind him, arguing, debating who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God when Jesus came into his earthly kingdom, who was going to get to sit one on the right hand and the other on the left. Who was going to be the CEO of the kingdom of God? Who was going to be the executive vice president in charge of missions? Who was going to be the secretary treasurer? Arguing. He led them into an upper room. And when they came in, all of them ignored doing what was the common practice for one another, and that was to wash each other's feet. That was always done. The roads in Palestine were dusty and muddy. And these sandal-wearing disciples would come in and they would customarily take a bowl exactly represented here in this magnificent sculpture by Max Greiner. That's the kind of bowl that was used. They would wash each other's feet. But not this day. This was who's most important day. Who's the king of the mountain day. Who's going to be the power and the authority. So they sat there, stiff-necked, proud, argumentative, jealous. They began the meal, the Passover meal. With dirty feet. And in the middle of the meal... Jesus stood up. And I begin reading from the Gospel according to John in the 13th chapter. Listen. Now the feast of the Passover, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's a good word. A love that never runs out. And during supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself about. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. I don't know, of course, just my imagination, but I think he went to Judas first. I think he did. Because he knew what was going on in the mind of Judas. 
he knew. He also knew that Judas already had 30 pieces of silver in his pocket. He'd already sold him down the river. And this was love's last appeal to this man who would take his own life within a few hours because he was more concerned with cash than with Christ, more interested in, in gold than in God. He's not the first, nor will he be the last to so sacrifice themselves for mammon and miss God. Judas, unresponsive, unrepentant, stone-hearted, lip-sealed. Don't be like that today. When the Spirit of the living Christ comes to touch you, open your heart to Him. Don't turn a deaf ear or a hard heart to love's appeal to you. And then he came to Peter. He came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Peter said to Jesus, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> no. Lord, do you wash my feet? Question mark. Why are you doing this? Listen to him. Why are you doing this? He protested. I like Simon. I like him. I like him for some of the reasons that he's sometimes criticized. I like him for the fact that he was never tongue-tied. He always said something, even when he didn't have anything to say. He'd always blurt out exactly how he felt. And I'm glad he did because I had that same feeling. Why do some things happen the way they do? Why? Why do the innocent suffer? Why do people hurt each other? Why wars and rumors of wars? Why? Listen to him. He answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you shall understand later. You shall understand hereafter. We can't comprehend it all now. It's beyond the reach of our logical mind. In the words of the hymn writer, I do not know why oft around me my hopes all shattered seem to be. But someday I'll understand. Someday he'll make it plain. Someday. The words of the poet, not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unveil the purpose and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the skillful weaver's hands as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he is playing.
He's saying, Simon Buckner, you need to learn how to trust me in the dark. Trust me in the dark. When you cannot see your way, I can see your way, and I will be with you. Then Peter said to him, Never, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Listen to that. If we are not cleansed by his love, baptized by his grace, immersed in his forgiveness, we have no part in him. And that is not something we do for ourselves or that the church can do for us or religion can do for us or morality can do for us or any other agency can do for us. That cleansing of our sins, that forgiveness of our guilt can only be done by Him and without that we have no part in Him. Simon, still asking, continues the conversation. Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I mean, just do it to me all over. Jesus said, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet and is completely clean. And you are clean. This has profound theological applications to your life and to mine. He is saying that once we have accepted Him and trusted Him and followed Him, we are forgiven all of our sins are washed away. They're separated from us as far as the east is from the west. The Scripture says He will remember those sins against us no more. They're gone. Then what is this? That's washing off the dirt of dailiness. That's washing away the mud of the mundane that we accumulate as we follow Him in the way. We're clean. We've been made clean by the grace of God. And He daily washes our feet that get muddy in the world which we occupy. John picked it up in his first epistle when he said, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to wash our feet. To cleanse us from all dirt, from all mud, from all unrighteousness that is accumulated in the business of following Him down the dusty roads of human service. That's what it means, Simon. You're forgiven. Even when you betray me, deny me, curse me, you're forgiven. And when you return, I'll wash your feet. And we'll begin a new day. Every day is a new day with this man. Every day. Now a word for me and a word for you. Jesus says. And so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should 
do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, neither is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. What does he mean? Well, like everything that John wrote, he always has the obvious and then he has another meaning beneath it. This is an acted parable. He's telling us something about life. Not just about our feet, but about life and our relationship to each other. This is a symbol of what our love is to be for one another. This is what we're to do for each other. We're to be the agents of restoration. We're to be the agents of encouragement. We're to help people who don't trust themselves much anymore, or who've lost confidence in themselves, and who argue or criticize, even while following Jesus. We're to minister to each other. When Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, he did not mean that he was literally crucified. He meant that he was living a life that was totally committed to Jesus Christ. And to wash one another's feet is not just to do that literally, although it might be a very impressive lesson to each of us to do that. It might be. If it would help us do that which is even greater than this, and that is by our attitudes and our actions and our words and our love to help people wash away the dirt of everydayness that clutters all of our lives at one time or another. So, we come to the time when after he arose from his knees and washed his disciples' feet, he broke the bread and gave the cup. But before we do, I want to point out something. If you walk around here beside this statue, notice that you cannot see the face of Jesus unless you kneel. You kneel. If you're going to look in his face. That's what we're to be. Worshiping him and serving others. By this, he said, shall all men know that you're my disciple. If you love God, no. If you love each other, each other. He rose and took the cup and the bread. And he served. Lord, bless this bread, symbolic of your broken body. Give us life. And to make us distributors of the bread of life to a spiritually hungry world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. But the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed,
took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, dear God, bless the cup. The red of this cup reminding us of the red of your blood. Sacrifice for the sins of the world. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Simon, how did you get here? I mean, you must be extra religious, moral, pious. How did you get here? He got here the same way you and I can come. If anybody could ever sing, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. It's this man. Yet to stumble, yet to fall, yet to deny the Lord, yet to give his life serving him. This is for sinners only. It's for Simon Peter. It's for James and John and a whole host of people who say, I'm going to trust him. Let him cleanse my sin, wash my feet, and give me a new purpose in life. Trust him this morning. Some did in that early service. Come accepting Christ publicly as your Savior, acknowledging Him as your Lord. Look into His face and let Him change your life. Let Him reach out and touch your mind and your heart and your hands and your feet, the totality of your personality. Make a new person out of it. Come to join this fellowship if this is where God is leading you. Be a part of a company of people who are endeavoring to follow this man and encouraging us, each other in doing it. I'll be right here. Let's stand. Let's sing, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Come on. <laughs>